episode eight of Floating Through Film. This week, we're doing another one-week episode, um, and we thought it would be interesting to do an episode on what we think about directors directing in their in their non-native language. So basically, them going to a different country. Most of the time, you know, even using the language of that country. But you oh, know, yeah. sometimes directors stay in their own language. It happens, or especially if it's English. But yeah. yeah. Um, before we get into that, let me introduce all my our hosts, Blake. Hi. And Luke. Hi. And let's okay, because Luke, you know, he had a he had a such <laughs> he had such a big revelation oh, to tell God. us about this. He, he didn't want any of us to steal, so I'll let Luke go first. It, it's why, not really why, that exciting, honestly. Like, uh, but, but, but what is something uh, that interests you about this? Yeah, well, I just I wanted I wanted to do this because I couldn't think of another one, but it's the only one I thought of. Like, to me, what makes it like good is that they uh, most of the time um, they intentionally like um, when you watch the movie, you, and if you watch the movie, and you didn't know the director. Uh, it would feel like a movie from that country, basically. Um, and there's times where it, uh, and well, I'm, saying, it's not, I'm saying it's not bad if, like, if you make a, a movie in a different country and, like, uh, you can obviously tell from whatever, if it was done on purpose, like, uh, Renoir's River, the river, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, does that. Like, it's it's very specifically from the point of view of a Western, West, from a Western point of view. Yes. Um, but, like, generally, I think it does a good job, like, both these movies we're going to talk about. Like, if I watched this movie without knowing the directors, I would think it was from this that country i wouldn't even think it was from an american director like paul Schrader or a italian director like antonioni okay yeah i'll go off what you said i think i agree with that some of the times and there are other times where i would say i can still tell this is the same director okay wait, wait what are you referring to though? um so the ri- honestly the river wait, i'm saying the river okay, though the he's, inten- he's, he's an exception he's not he's intentionally okay. doing that i'm talking about like yeah that's basically what i'm saying he's intentionally making it so it, you don't think it's from a point of view from an Indian director. Okay, so. uh, what do you think about Mishima, then? I think Mishima feels very Japanese, but... Mm, okay. I don't know, that's just my perspective, I don't uh, know. We'll, we'll talk about that later, I guess, yeah. but... Um, I guess, honestly, it just kind of depends on the director. Because Antonioni, def- uh, Blow Up, we'll talk about later, feels like more like that to me. Okay. Um, where he's trying to get more in that world instead of just trying to make his own world yeah. in that other country, you know? But... Uh, what about you, Blake? Is there anything yeah. interesting? Well, my oh. favorite thing about like directors directing in a different language or in their non-native language is, I like the way that a lot of directors seem to use that to at least get in touch with like, just a different. I like they seem to do it just to get in touch with like a different culture, you know. Mm-hmm. And yes. I really do like that about it yes. um, because it just gives it a different point of view. Like, cause you watch all these like like a Paul Schrader movie, like Paul Schrader's Machine, like we're gonna talk about, but like you watch it and um, you see. Like, I, I can see that's from, like, at least, I don't think it's super Japanese, you know? Like, I can tell that's not I'm not saying like, it's, American I'm, I'm not saying it's, like, super Japanese, but... No, yeah, but, like, like he just brings a different point of view to, a Jap- to like, a Japanese world and makes it seem Japanese, you know? Like, like he came... It, he does make it seem like it came from Japan, but, like, not, like, their points of view, you know? Like, yes. not what directors from Japan were doing yes. back in the day, yes. like, back in the 80s, you know? Like, you would not, like, if you, like, if this movie was released in Japan, like, they wouldn't have been able to tell this is a Japanese movie, I don't think. Because no one in Japan really made movies like Paul Schrader made this movie. See, that's, so. and that's, okay, yes. Um, yeah. When I say that, it was mainly from my point of view, though, like, no, for I mean, sure. obviously if I lived in Japan, I probably would have been able to tell. Maybe, yeah, yeah. But, but I just, that's one reason why I like it, because I just think it gives, like, it, it's it's just an interesting way to, to, like, explore the human condition and, like, connect everyone. 
Because I feel yes. like that's the big thing. Like yes. directors want to yes. do is like connect people. Okay, like yes. connect to like that's like with Dare Su is all one of my favorite things about that movie, is Kurosawa trying to bridge the gap that like Russians and Japanese have with each other. Because like they have not liked each other basically ever. You know like because they 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 live so close. They've always fought over those islands right right above like right below Russia, right above Japan. And Kurosawa just decided like in the height of the Cold War, whenever the whenever they still were not. Like they still did not have great relations to go there and just make a movie about like human connection between a yes. Russian and Japanese, you know, like yes. I, that. This is kind of like um, and like Hiroshima, Hiroshima Mom War yes. does the same thing. Like and that can, kind of makes me want to go off what exactly what you're saying because that's it's a great point. But um, just honestly, for a lack of way a better way to put it, but honestly, uh, like a, just to, for a director almost to show off what they know about a different Basically, culture, yeah. but like in a good way, in a good way, right? Yeah. Like. Uh, it can give it can be true almost what both of you guys are saying in terms of Paul Schrader, it is obviously his own kind of point of view on Mishima in Japan, but at the same time he's using he's trying to uh, pay homages to maybe a lot of old Japanese movies, you know, and, yeah. and Mishima was a Japanese person, right? So when he yeah. shows, and like the whole movie was made by all Japanese crew and yeah. cat and all Japanese cast, right? So it's yeah. obviously gonna be Japanese to some degree, yes. Like, as much as we all, I, especially me, I love like saying the directors everything and all that stuff. It's obviously not true, right? Like. Every, everyone else on the movie matters too. So yes. everyone else is Japanese, like, yeah. uh, and that's the way that then, that's the way different. that you also need to make it. Like that's what you need to make it work too, though. Like, oh, but that's what honestly, like, it's it's kind of a combination of the two, which is why I find it so interesting. And like, for me, the number one example that always comes up in my head, and it's it's kind of because it was just such a big movie for me at the time, was sil- is Silence. Like yeah. just watching, like, it's really good. Uh, just knowing, like. Scorsese's like it's it's a combination of Scorsese's themes that he's ta- had throughout his movies, right? Yeah. From the Taxi Driver on, you know, Raging Bull, everything. But at the same time, it's in a Japanese context, right? Like with a lot of you know more Buddhist theme, especially with the the you know not the villain in the movie, but what's this? What the I forget. What it's, it's like the counselor, yeah, the yeah, chancellor, yeah. Or yeah, right. the Japanese guy. Yes, but yeah. you know that um, that kind of. A director taking his themes and his ideas to a new culture and see how it kind of interacts with that kind of culture. Yeah. And it's kind of a comment. And the great directors will find a great way to do it. Like The River is a really good oh, example yeah. of that, right? It's like, it's so obviously a Renoir movie. Yeah. And same so, time, so it much is from like, a different point of view, but yeah, yeah. it works. And he's, and that one's kind of just show off the colors of India, right? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, they had, didn't they like not have a Technicolor movie at that point? And they're like, come on, we gotta showcase Yes, this. that was a Renoir's definitely first Technicolor. Yeah, I think it's the first Technicolor ever in shot in India. Yeah. First oh, color in India, movie yes, India, okay, yeah. yes, yes, that's, I think that's true. Yeah. Definitely not the first Technicolor. <laughs> but before we get into our two, we should talk about what are some movies that come to your mind as your favorites or anything. Oh, damn. Yeah, well, uh-huh. I definitely already mentioned Dare Suzala. Yes, you one. did. Yeah. Uh, I'll mention one from American director, Laris Miyajiwa from Iwo Jima, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood, really great movie. I think... I honestly, because he did like Flags of Our Fathers and Flags or um, Lars Mujima at the same time, released in the same year, and I just like the way that he did Lars Mujima more because it just seems like he was able to like connect to that culture and give us their point of view like really well, or like an American's point, like trying to just like connect to that like to like what you, what it would even be like to be in a Japanese point of view, like because Clint Eastwood obviously wouldn't know what it would be like to be a Japanese on there, so he's doing his best to like sympathize with that and I think it works really well like that those are the two that come to my mind okay, immediately I so but I didn't need I, I need to watch but I need to watch both of them like at the same time almost I feel like that'd be uh, oh yeah you should. that's why okay okay yeah but, yeah my, 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 my favorite I 
my like two favorites are like ones that ones that we've already talked about. One we're gonna talk about, <laughs> but uh, oh, what's like the, the, the river and blow up are probably oh, my yeah. two favorites okay. that uh, do this. But I mean, I think I think I'll just mainly talk about the river right now because we're gonna talk about blow up. But I what, what we've already said. I, I like how basically Renoir films. Uh, it's like a it, he kind of like merges the documentary style with the story of these westerners. Like he like films India talking about their culture, but he never like forces. Uh, he never tries to do something like he tr- never tries to like show the perspective of his perspective of Indian family because he, he doesn't know what that's like and I respect that about him. He mainly uses it with from a Western point of view because that's yes. what he knows basically. Yes. And yeah, it's just a beautiful movie, honestly. Like he God. plays to his strengths even in a different country. Like, oh yeah, for sure. And I know uh, like they when they talked about uh, him making the movie, uh, when they talked about making an Indian movie in India or a color movie in India from Renoir, right? Yeah. Uh, he asked a lot of people there and they said to do a western he should stick to a western story because like yeah it's just not possible to used to come into a country like yeah. any country but especially india with this history and just oh, yeah. try to make it from an indian point of view yeah you know, especially like i mean probably never but like <laughs> especially you know when they were not making a lot of movies in india from different countries so yeah but i guess because like, like what i'm really coming down to when we talk, talk about this is it really just depends on who's making it yeah uh, what the story is and what are they trying to do with the movie, right? Are they are they trying to actually show what this country is like or what this city is like, or are they trying to see uh, if I can take all of my own ideas and my themes and put it in a different country and see if it still works, you know? And that can yeah. be two very different things. Like, no, okay, that makes me actually think of something. So, like, what what do you think of like directors remaking their own movie in English? Because like oh, Juwan like the Grudge has done Mike, that, like Mike, Mike, like Haneke with yeah. Funny Games has done that. Like, there have been so many directors that have like made a movie that was really popular and then decided yeah. to remake it in English, yeah. too. I mean, but... Uh, like, I don't think at all... Like, with horror, that happens a lot, especially. Like, yeah. especially, like, J-horror, like, they always remake yeah. that in, in, like, America. And a lot of times, the directors from Japan actually will do that. Yeah. Like, they'll remake it in America. And hmm. I don't... I just don't think it works, honestly. But, I mean, Haneke... I, I, I haven't seen any of the funny games, but I've heard Haneke, uh, basically... It's a shock. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, he did that because he thought the messages of funny games would be... Uh, uh, where uh, Western audience needed to see it more than uh, more than more uh, than other his countries, audience. basically. That's why he made it. He he, he originally wanted English, but he couldn't, hmm. of course, do it because he was from a different country. I haven't seen him, so yeah. I don't have a strong opinion. That's just what I've heard, honestly. So, but I mean, hmm. I guess it really it comes down to at least when you asked that was why? Why do they do it? Is it a director being like? Because I uh, honestly kind of like the idea of a director going back to their old movie and recutting and re-editing and just do whatever they want to. Basically what yeah. Ozu did. Like his uh, whole career. Oh yeah, yeah. Lot, yeah it's a lot of directors did that. Yeah, but yeah, Ozu is a great example. Yeah. But like, even Apocalypse Now has had like seven different cuts or whatever, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's always going back to it. But uh, So I like that, but is it just because uh, they were going to remake the movie anyway because, you know, they thought, oh, they, yeah. they need an English audience so the director's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And then there's not a lot of creativity behind it or something. But. Yeah. Or if it's like what Luke said, and he's, he just thought that it needed to be like American, like it, it worked better for an Amer- like in an American setting or something. Yeah. yeah or see, that's but I, I honestly don't know. Like, Funny Games is disturbing. That means. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I'm pretty sure it's, it's supposed for to be. People, I mean, <laughs> oh, it's definitely supposed yeah. to be. People, if you love watching that type of movie, you'll love it. But I didn't, it's not my type of movie. That's fair. Not really an exploitation fan. So, <laughs> so I'd be a bit worried if you were. I'm not joking. <laughs> we should mention uh, the one that came out last year, Memoria. That's also yeah. oh, uh, yeah, that, that the that is, first yeah, movie outside yeah. of Thailand. It's just amazing. In English. Too. And that kind of made me think of uh, one. I guess one way a director can tackle the, uh, doing this is just not having a lot of words. 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> Stick into the images. Or just do it like marker and just like do letters. <laughs> honestly, yes, yes. Honestly, Antonio and blow up in. No, exactly. Too, yes. Like, I mean, yeah. yes. It actually it probably plays to the strength of directors that don't use dialogue a lot. Yeah. Like right. Yeah. Um, except for I'm gonna now disprove that with. Um, <laughs> oh great. What what was gonna be my pick of my uh that we're not talking about which we almost did was certified copy. Oh yeah. Okay. And it's kind of crazy that it was Kirsami because he does have. To, I mean, depending on the movie you're thinking of, uh, he has dialogue. But a lot of his movies are very dialogue less. You know, not very much yeah. dialogue. And so a certified copy having as much dialogue oh, as yeah. it does. It's French it's, and uh, English yes. too. Yeah. So an Iranian director with a French actor's um, English actor. Yeah. In Italy. And there's still dialogue. there's a lot of dialogue in it, but it still feels supernatural. Um, I just, it's just a great movie. It's just uh, we'll talk about it. we'll have to talk about it when we talk about it just on yes. at some point. But yeah. it is a it's a great movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. But honestly, they're like two sides of the spectrum. You know, started by copy and Mario almost. But they're all, they're both directors doing, you know, a movie in a different language. You, I guess yeah. I, you, you know what I just thought about who also fits the bill. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Sergio Leone technically fit the bill to this? In if a way, you count kind voiceover, of? if you count voiceover, I was thinking because it's like he like uses Americans in the westerns. He does that are set in America that are like shot in like the Spanish desert like and he's Italian like yeah he can yeah it's, I don't know <laughs> Does it but I, I don't know it just depends on what you mean by that because like a lot of that is done in voiceover and you can definitely tell in oh really movies. yeah because yeah. like they're like they're Italian actors they're speaking Italian but then they dub them with English yeah. and you can tell in the movie like you could like Clint Eastwood Italian <laughs> no 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 oh. not Clint Eastwood like there are Italian like, like other cowboys like other oh, cowboys okay. there. Like, there are there are, there are, there are Italian they are, I'm pretty they are sure Clint Eastwood's not Italian but I mean, I what do I know I'm surprised that they dubbed him a lot too just for uh, I think they do dub him actually uh, I think they sound, I think he's still dubbed quality, for sound but... quality yeah but like it it just depends on what you on what you're saying like that because like if you're just dubbing things then you can just have them say whatever they want basically. That's fair, yeah. But... And it kind of it, I wanted to bring up this point I guess uh, before we stop, but especially when we're talking about movies that have more dialogue and specifically thinking about certified copies, the director to some degree has to trust their actors more. You know, yeah. if they speak the language or whatever language they are speaking, because uh, they don't know the language. You know, so. Uh, yeah. If you are gonna have a dialogue-heavy movie, you kind of have to trust your actors to be more natural in it. Yeah. I mean, we'll definitely talk about that with Mishima for sure too. Yeah. So yeah. yes, both of them. I mean, yeah. Even though you know, Blob doesn't have that much, but yeah, uh, still has some. Still has quite a bit though. Plus, we should mention Tarkovsky did it what movie did with he uh, Nostalgia. I guess I'm... all his movies are in Russian though. I think so. I'm pretty sure. So. I, I haven't seen Nostalgia. That's like the only Tarkovsky I haven't seen. He made a couple outside of Russia in his in the later. In his I think Sacrifice. Episode. Sacrifice yeah, had, Sacrifice a, lot of, had a lot of too. Swedish like Bergman yeah, yeah. uh, regulars in it. But I'm pretty sure it was in Russian. But I might be wrong. Yeah, that's true. No, I don't know. I, I know he made was... them outside of his country because he basically yeah. got ex- mm-hmm. exiled. Yeah. 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 Damn, I still need to watch those. Um, yeah, Kurosawa was a great example. Yeah, those are the ones that yeah, I wanted to mention more too. Yeah. But... And Bunuel, like Bunuel oh, was Spanish, yeah. and he made movies in Mexico for a long time. Yeah. He made them in France for a long time. Man. He, he almost made, he almost made some in America, but he didn't. But no, yeah, Bunuel, that was crazy. Was I mean, do you count Herzog? He's he just flew in oh, both. Okay, he just yeah. flew in both. I mean, yeah, so, like, but... he just knows English yeah. as well. Yeah. As well. and even uh, Tati had like English version uh, versions of his movies, basically like. Uh, okay. Okay. That he had like English dialogue in, oh. basically for Western audiences. Oh. But there were, those are were like edited versions of his. Movies. Was he uh, like watching over those too? Like, did he know English and stuff? Uh, yeah, he knew. He knew English. Like, uh... okay, because 
I was just gonna say Chris, uh, that's what Chris Marker did for you know how if you can you can see him on Criterion where he has an English version oh, and yeah, a yeah. French version and he wants people that know English to watch the English version because you know he knew English but he yeah but he, I like, think, I think those, Tati those, even those, had yeah. like changed in the production design I'm pretty sure oh okay like, huh. yeah he had like split, like based on the way it was details. gonna be released and stuff yeah, yeah. wow so that's I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah I think specifically I think it was most prevalent in like Monocle I think I okay okay any so any last words before we go to get to the movies or? Yeah, uh, I'm ready to get to the movies. Yeah, so after the break we'll be reviewing Blow Up first. So see you then. break we're going to be talking about blow up first so why don't we just get into it luke this was i guess this probably was the movie that gave you the idea i think yeah so um get us started why blow up uh, well there's a lot of reasons i love blow up i mean uh, like for specifically like um like the themes of it you know like how basically antonioni basically like it's basically a snapshot of like the 60s london um but the main reason like i love this movie and i love antonioni in general is the way he just used the camera, which honestly, I don't even think I can really explain why. It's just the way he, like, he, uh, the way he uses it, basically, it basically locks my eyes to the screen. I just, I can't look away from it. Like, it just, it draws me in way too much. And I, 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 uh, really, the only way I can explain is, like, he'll have these, like, shots where, like, these, his, his establishing shots are basically, like, they remind me, like, okay, they remind me kind of like of Tati, where he, like, has, like, it's, like, observing, basically. Yes, yes. But he also mixes those in with different, like, really cool technical shots, and... Yes. He's, he's, he's I just love his classic, camera work. There's a yeah. couple of examples that come to my mind, um, that when you say that, I guess I'll just point out one now, because I'll save the ending for the later, but, um, the scene where he blows up the pictures for the first time. Yeah. And the camera just is going back and forth. Oh, yeah. Uh... Oh, it's like it's like you are viewing the pictures exactly with yeah. it. I don't even think he's, it's and, not, I don't even know if it's even if he's even filming it honestly. Like it, it just feels like a scanned image of the photos. Really, that's what it felt like. I don't I don't know if he actually re- filmed them or not. Like you didn't think he was actually filming the photos. Yeah, it felt like yeah, he just yeah. like it was just like li- like yeah, it was a yeah. part of the film reel basically. Like, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, um, but I, I feel I really liked that. No, yeah, but they're like uh, I guess I'll kind of just go because I want to jump off what you really said was um about his camera feeling very observing yeah and it's it's my favorite part about a lot of antonio's movies is um he's trying to stretch the limits of how open you can be about it with a movie yeah. right where like uh, how open in terms of not telling you anything about what he thinks about the characters what um he thinks about anything really like he's yeah. as best as he can and some people might disagree in terms of how much is he actually telling you versus just showing you but yeah in my opinion these movies are especially this one blow up is like it's what i really love about it is the images are like really cool and unique but like it, they don't feel like they're telling you anything you know yeah. like you're, you kind of really have to force yourself to think something about what's he trying to say here or what's he trying to say here yeah. you know and it's another quality i like about this movie and i guess it's uh with a lot of movies you'll notice that i like in general is this kind of 
it's in the t- podcast title name, but this kind of floating quality he has through it. Oh, yeah. You know, like... For sure. Even if his character's searching for something, like, they're not searching as hard as they should be. Oh, You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're kind of just kind of going just, through it, too. Like, yeah, you, you, this you, is a murder you, mystery, yeah. you know? Is it really a murder mystery? Like, you're not could, taking you it that definitely, seriously. Yeah, <laughs> you could definitely label it, like, me- mis- meandering and stuff. Yes, meandering. Sure, that's a good, yeah. that's another good word for it. Yeah, especially in this one. Yeah, for uh, sure. Which I really like about it. Um, yeah. But before we get more into it, Blake, like, did you, did you even like the movie? Did I respect it more than okay, I like okay. it, but like I, I I get what you guys are saying. I respect all that all those points, but I hate the I hate the character. <laughs> like like that's that's my main problem is I don't like spending six spending my time in sixties London with this guy. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, like uh, that is my big problem with but it. But I, I don't even know if that's an insult to the movie because like, might not be. Yeah, but he's I, I like. I mean, I don't I know. think uh, if like if you were just drawing up what you thought a photographer in sixties London that was really popular was like. You probably wouldn't like that guy, you know, if you talk to him. Maybe not. It sounds like not. I mean, because well, I don't unless know. You don't think, unless you don't think this character would be realistic of what a photographer in London would have been like. Well, see, I don't know, because I don't know. Like, I like see that. If you just had to guess based on your feeling, though. If I just had to guess, I don't know. I don't know who, who's, who's a photographer in I London mean, that's in the fair. 60s. That's fair. That's fair. But I mean, yeah. Like I don't know. Like see, that's what maybe like we, like we were talking about with like the like the best directors whenever they go to a different different country different like uh and do it in like a, in their in like a different language they usually are like able to tell you like this is how it was this is how the characters are and like i don't know if this is like how like men in, in 60s london actually acted like i hope not i hope not every man in london acted like this because that would be awful so- but <laughs> Like I don't know, maybe maybe this is just how, maybe everyone oh, in sixties okay. London was just a misogynist oh. piece of shit. <laughs> well, um, and this is where I'll kind of disagree because I get we were talking about this before the podcast, but that's where I kind of disagree. It's where I don't even think it, the movie is about any of the characters. It's about he's trying to almost create a feeling or a mood of what does uh, let's say in sixties London in this case, but kind of almost society as a whole at this time of this youth generation or this young generation that he saw at the time. Uh, based on the ideas they have about, you know, marriage or um, how to treat women, this kind of thing, based on how they were rebelling against the past, yeah. this movie is kind of trying to show a feeling of that. You know, like, this guy is not necessarily, like, a, a full-blown character, like, you know, if it was a character study movie. He's kind of, like, a, not a he's simple, He's a personification? But... Do, you just, do you think he's, like, a personification for, like, uh, like those, like, people who are like so disconnected from society yes okay yes um because i did see a quote he did an interview with roger ebert um and at the end of that interview he says something like all of my movies are about this kind of loneliness like this feeling of loneliness right and and in this movie you kind of see that um through this character searching for something yeah he's obviously searching for something that he's not getting in his photography studio yeah right that's why he keeps going to literally the park or the forest yeah, like, that's like uh, especially like uh and that's kind of the kind of goes into the issue with like did he imagine it because like if you notice the scene where he finds the body he doesn't have his camera on him and he sees the body but then when he comes back with his camera the body's gone mm, so you could say like yes what you were saying you can tie that in yes so i like that um and for me what well, at least watching this time where it kind of clicked that this movie was kind of about that it was more about the search than it was about the murder or about um it was kind of that feeling of search, you know, that, that anxiety of searching for something. Oh, yeah. Was uh, the scene before he sees that woman in the park, the, the, the couple in the park, he goes to an antique shop and uh, he asks the antique shop, do you guys have any uh, pictures or something? And he says no. And he's like, have I any landscapes? And he's like, no. And 
uh, and then he's like, okay, and he leaves, the, literally the antique shop, right, like, yeah. um, and then he leaves, and the next thing he sees is this couple, and he gets so excited, because, um, <laughs> you know, he thinks he might have found something that he was looking for, right, that he might have, that he was probably searching for, at least in my opinion, he was searching for in the antique shop. You know, yeah. Well, he found the uh, landscapes in the, in the in the antique shop. They just weren't for sale. So. Oh yeah, okay. That maybe that's what he said. Yeah. Not for sale. Okay, okay. Doesn't change. Either way, yeah. Either way, yes. Either way. But then he gets because I love. There's a shot where he just like starts skipping when he sees them. He's like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, like it's like so. It's like the most excited he is in the movie. And the camera um, on that scene, like where like the camera basically like it like what I was saying, it's observational when he's like when it shows it like it's at the other end of the park and it's just yes. particularly on him. It's a very moving. wide shot. Yeah, I love that um, shot. But okay, uh, let's. Well, no, what do you well, like you're, you're, well, no, no, I'm not like disagreeing with you guys. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing all this that you guys are seeing. I just, I, I've seen this feeling of loneliness and this feeling of searching filmed a lot better. Like, like that. definitely in the Taiwanese New Wave. Like that's what yeah. most of their movies are about. Yeah. And it's it's the same thing of ta- of getting a snapshot of like '90s yeah. ta- Taiwan, you know, like. And yeah. stuff like that, and even like the French New Wave has like even masculine feminine. And I think masculine feminine is actually a lot like this, where it's where it's um trying to capture a snapshot of like the youth oh, and yeah, how they sure. felt in the '60s. Like I do think that though that those are a lot alike. I do think masculine feminine does it a little better, but that's probably because Godard is French and actually did know at least somewhat of what French like the French youth was feeling. Like, see, that's just my main thing is I don't know like. Like, I don't know if this, if this, like, what Antonioni views of London is the actual, like, actually how London was. So, like, I don't know if, how real I should even treat this movie. Like, I don't know if I should just treat this whole movie as just, like, like, this is just all in this guy's head, maybe. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is, like... I think that's fair. Like, uh, is, like, he might, you, you could see the criticism of, he's, you might think he's trying to show all of London... Uh, or all even the youth culture at the time when this is only a portion of it or his perspective on it. Yeah, it's not obviously the whole thing. And like I do like I do like that he at least put his perspective out there. Even like I just don't I just don't enjoy watching it. Like and I don't think that the lonely I don't think I actually don't think that the loneliness even comes through that much honestly. Hmm. In the movie, like I don't, I don't think know. he's I like I, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I just yeah. maybe I, I mean, just if I watched uh, it again, maybe I'd feel it more. But I just think like, I've I've seen loneliness just feel filmed. Yeah. I, maybe it's just like the way it, he filmed uh, it. Like it's, I just, it's not even loneliness though. It's it's also like apathetic to life in general. He like yes, he's, yes. he's just such like he's just trying to he's like moving through life like pretty much like and I, there, I don't know how to explain a, it. But uh, yeah. This was a criticism. Like I mean, people criticize, criticize uh, you know, the youth right now or whatever, and yeah. we're all youth still, cause, uh, relative to, you know, Antonio, who's probably like 40 or 50 when he made this, right. but in terms of not caring for anything, you know, caring about anything, um, and, like, what does that really mean? You know, like, if yeah. you if you kind of just go through life saying, I don't care, I don't care about this, you know, I don't care about that, yeah. like like you were saying, it's kind of apathetic. You know? Yeah, and, he, and uh, I have a quote, actually, from him about talking about how okay. he basically doesn't make a movie for the audience, pretty much. Like, here's the quote. It's like, I always try to follow a certain pattern and work without thinking of the audience. It is not that I dislike my audience. I am not an intellectual, but I believe that films should not be made to entertain the audience, earn money, or achieve popularity. I think that film should be made uh, made to be as good as possible. And it seems to me that this is the best way to work and, and to be trustworthy to the world of cinema. Like, he pretty much doesn't care about entertaining you, basically. Yes. Um, and kind of related, I mean, when Blake said uh, if he rewatched it, he might understand the kind of loneliness aspect more. Um, there is at least the, even the first time I remember watching it, and I've seen some criticism of it. Is uh, it might kind of steer you towards the direction of if it's going to have a plot with a murder mystery and everything. Yeah. Um, and I read this in the Criterion booklet, but 
uh, throughout the movie, he just starts taking out scenes that had like more and more to do with actually the murder mystery. Like oh, yeah. he basically uh, <laughs> wanted to have like a murder mystery plot without like the tension of yeah. a murder mystery plot, right? Without any of the murder mystery scenes. Yeah. But he still wanted that tension to be there, right? That kind of uh, I don't know. Like, how do you describe that kind of tension of uh, a murder mystery plot when you're watching it? Uh, I'm wondering what happens next. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah, what's going to happen next? But yeah. <clears throat> in this one, he doesn't ever finds out what's going to happen next, right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it kind of just ends almost. Yeah. But yeah, it just goes to mines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the ending. Honestly, we should talk about the ending. Okay, honestly. like it, it kind of. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, we should we, talk about it. Well, yeah, well, I don't know what you were gonna say. I don't. No, I, I, what I was gonna say about it is the ending is kind of just his best or his worst example, depending on if you like him or not, of um, <laughs> how open he's willing to be in terms of, oh, yeah. I'm not going to give you anything, not even a, a clue of yeah. what this movie is. And, 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 yeah. and in a lot of ways, it goes the reverse. He's searching right? for nothing and like, found nothing. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, it's like it's true. almost frustrating because you're, like, you're getting to the ending and like, okay, at least, you know, at least we'll have a happy, uh, you know, a good, a nice conclusion to a movie like most movies do. <laughs> and it's like the yeah. exact opposite. It's like it gets even yeah. more like open and... And this kind of gets to my next point. Like it also it also questions like whether it is in his head or not, because uh, basically yes. yeah he throws the ball and you hear the ball bouncing so you're like okay is he just making all this up is is he basically I'm actually I was I, I just want to ask you guys next like do you guys think this was in his head basically? Um, I can see uh, I can see what you're saying with the ending because uh yeah. and to support your point, so when the the ball goes over the fence and uh he throws it to them. And then the camera hangs on him. It yeah. never shows the court again. It yeah. shows him watching it, but yeah. it only and then it zooms out. It shows an extremely wide shot, but it still never shows the court. It yeah. just shows him watching, just standing there. Yeah. Almost like. That it really doesn't matter if it's in his head or yeah. not, right? The whole I guess the, so, the whole yeah. movie is in his head because everything he's doing is based on what's in his head. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess uh, you put it like every that, action yeah. that he does, like because uh, and I think the opening scenes where I mean, oh yeah, at least they, it's Antonio Antonioni's take on a a misogynistic photographer in, in London yeah. in the 60s of I mean this guy has everything any guy would possibly want you know he has beautiful women all over him like yeah. uh, and basically every room he goes into he just yeah. tells them to close his eye, to close their eyes and not to open them and he just leaves them you know yeah. like the whole time but, but like yeah. he, ha- he has like you know great friends he has girls that want him but still he's just searching for some some like yeah. Murder in the plot. It honestly is interesting part, right? hearing those theories on whether it's real or not. But I, I do think, like what you said about that. But like I've heard, I've heard like I heard like a theory. Like I read a theory like basically like when he hopped in the car at the beginning, he imagined the rest of it. Like he was getting he out of prison. In the car in the beginning. Because remember he was like oh, walking out of that prison. Oh, the photography studio. Oh, the, oh, the very beginning oh, when he was walking yeah. in prison. Yeah. Honestly, that that scene still confuses me. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I honestly like, forgot he, about the he, very he, beginning. He, he basically <laughs> stole that car. Basically, they're saying like he basically stole that car and he just imagined the rest. Which I don't know if I agree with that, but like. But, but that's what a type of movie like this you can have multiple oh, yeah. as long as you can make your theory uh, feel make it feel coherent uh, yeah. based on what the movie says it can make sense yeah, basically right? make your own movie you, yeah. <laughs> yes um, yes a lot of great directors did that where they would want to be open on purpose so you were getting involved yourself yeah. right I do appreciate that like yeah, yeah. Um, it just but Blake's criticism is valid because there's a lot of directors even great directors that have this criticism of the characters are not likable, so it just kind of makes the movie worse. Like, yeah. um, it's I not mean, even necessarily worse. It's just like I don't enjoy watching. Okay, it, yeah. you know, okay, it's like but that's what, that kind of goes with Lucas saying. Like, it's not even made. No, yeah, no, that's right? fine. Yeah. yeah, and that's perfectly fine to do. But like, yeah. and like, I do agree. I do agree with that sentiment. Like, and I do like that's why that's that was my main criticism of like my Rob, of like Robert Eggers last week is like he went too entertaining and went too much to like try to appease fans. Mm-hmm. But I just think like. Like Brian De Palma, I like Brian De Palma. I think did this movie just better. 
like with Blowout. I'm gonna, like, I just think they're, just, I think, they're two uh, way too different movies. I feel like you can't even compare them. Like he, it's he, the same movie. I mean, it's, it's really a remake, no. basically. It's not Honestly, the, same the closer movie is. Have you seen the conversation? Yes, I have seen the conversation. That yes, one's kind of similar to this. Uh, sort of, yeah. All similar, but that one's like more similar. Blowout. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not one's... though. Like Blowout is literally. I, I need Blowout, Blowout is literally again. a quasi remake comment. of Blowout. But it, 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 <laughs> take, it all it does, I feel like, it just takes the, it takes the plot. It doesn't take anything. Yeah, so I think he did the plot better. Like I think he did the plot and like and showing like this type of loneliness and trying to create something in your mind, like try to fit what you think you saw. Like I think he did that just way better. Antonio just didn't. didn't he, I don't think Antonio even cared about the plot. He didn't even like. Yeah, that's that's what I was that's gonna say. Yeah. This is not a plot. No, that's deal. fine. Yeah, it's like, no, yeah, and that's fine. So I, I, feel yeah, like I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. Yeah. Like he's taking. He literally on purpose took out all the stuff that had to do with yeah. the murder mystery plot. Uh, Which is smart. I agree. I yes. commend that to him. <laughs> yeah. Because um, uh, in the the Criterion booklet is pretty good, and they mentioned that he had had an interview like three years before he made Blow Up, where he said he had this quote where he said um, he was at this beach having a good time. And then uh, a dead body showed up, and he wanted to create that kind of tension of what happens when a dead body shows up at a beach without the dead body. Oh. So he wanted to have that tension throughout. Like he wanted to see if he could make a movie with that kind of tension, you know. And that's what I was saying with him taking out all the murder mystery stuff, but still trying to have that kind of tension of what that search of a murder mystery, you yeah. know. Yeah, this, I think this is this is why like I think Antonio is like basically the most controversial like canonized filmmaker. Like he's so controversial. Okay, what do you mean by controversial though? Like you either love him or hate him. That's basically what I'm saying. Because like, oh, like honestly, th- uh, that's true with a lot of my favorite directors though. Like, but I, I feel like Antonio is to, like a uh, different. But where degree, I see though. it, because that's where uh, I kind of compare him to Kubrick in some ways. In terms of the movies are not about the characters at all. They're about the themes they're trying to tell through a certain story. You know. Yeah. And they're kind of almost stained. Like, well, what very, is the theme? Very of this detached. Movie that he's trying to like say. Well, though? the main theme to me is like, uh, how. And remember, this is a 60s modern movie. So we're watching this thinking, oh, the 60s is like old. You know, those are like outdated ideas. But at the time, this was, you know, he's trying to say what does, uh, like, modern day view, map values at the time. So modern, like, let's say modern. I'm just going to say modern, right? Because at the time it was modern. These modern ideas of, you know, um, the jazz music and the the pop art clothes and everything like that. How does that clash versus with old values and old ideas? And basically how do those things clash in every in every kind of culture but in this one it was 60s london and that's why i was saying earlier about the why the antique shop is so important because um to me it shows like he is still searching for something in his past or in the past you know like uh the modern culture is still trying to hold some is trying to hold on to something in the past or still searching for something in the past even if it keeps saying oh we're only progressing we're only going in the future you know that kind of thing and i think the movie does a, i mean you can say it's, it's definitely not i don't even think it's a perfect movie but it does a at least in my job uh, opinion, a good job of showing that kind of that kind of clash between the two, at least. Yeah. No. I didn't really, I didn't really get the clash, honestly. I just, I thought that he was just kind of showing it how it was, or like he was just showing it like, like how he thought this was. I didn't really see the clash between modern and post and like old ideas and new ideas coming together. Like, because I think he was just following around this new age guy, or like, like you said at the beginning, like he's just following around this the 60s photographer and how he thinks like they'd be okay but like, like I don't see the why, why does he take so much interest in this this couple in the park versus all the pictures he's taking at the beginning of the movie um that what you would think this a photographer like him would be interested in I don't know. and that's the one he's basically trying to get out of there he's like it's basically yeah. escaping halfway through his photo shoots he's just trying to get out yeah. uh and there is a, a scene too where he also speaks to um his painter friend like the jackson pollock guy basically with all the dots and everything yeah, yeah. um 
and he kind of explains his uh, what he's thinking, and you can tell he's not he doesn't like face may probably doesn't agree with everything his painter friend is saying either about <laughs> his views on you know future yeah. uh, postmodern art and that kind of thing. Yeah, and I I really like especially just seeing the clash of literally the colors of the what his studio looks like or versus and where the his friends places where he goes and yeah. all the colors of all there versus just the very green park you know yeah. and he does it on purpose yeah. and you know the, the wind going through the trees like yeah. i forgot to bring up the colors in this movie because they're amazing like yeah there's great i mean i guess i could see the clash in that scene then if you're just talking about like plus remember how the, like um, the clash of like modern like just living in the modern city and then like actually going to nature but yes but not not only the physical aspect of that but also cultural values how how does that change with te- uh, uh, industry or modern day cities, you know, with the ancient values or classical values at least. Yeah, and whenever she, whenever she asks, like, what, like, where in the park, why you get to photograph us, like, yes, yes, he's like, I'm just photographing, or I'm just yeah, taking yeah. a picture. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like that's, I guess that's a part where I could see that. But. And like, uh, to me, it really stood out this time when he literally just skips because he gets so excited. Like, why <laughs> is this, why is this photographer that you know had like 30 women in his photo- photography studio, and he's yeah. obviously he looks like a good photographer. Um, you know, all these women trust him and everything, but then he goes to the park and he just sees, like, a couple, yeah. you know, holding hands, and he gets so excited to take pictures of them, yeah. you know? Like, and that's right after he goes to an antique shop looking for landscapes. Like, why is this guy looking for landscape photography, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially since, I, I, maybe Antonio was, is kind of referencing it, but, like, originally paintings were a lot of landscape paintings, yeah. right? But then yeah. the more modern paintings became, they became less actually about the realistic image and more about just abstract paintings, right? like the painter in the movie yeah and that's just another example of that but yeah there's a lot of little it's a very complex throughout movie, the movie yeah, yeah it's very complex but um yeah like i said like and i do think he is kind of like he's not a perfect director i don't know like wh- what do you think luke like i mean i, I don't know would you put him in your I, it's kind of hard to say or? a perfect director i wouldn't call him a perfect like would you put him i in don't think any time? i don't think any director is perfect but like well, okay let's now <laughs> Okay, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't. They, they, every perfect, every me. director like perfect to me. Okay, yeah, but okay, yeah, but like I don't think uh, he. I don't know if he's all time for me yet. I, I still need to think about it. Like I still have like three of his movies rated five stars. Honestly, like I, I, I love like what he does, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know yet. I still, I still, I'm still need to think about it. If I like, if I, if he's really all time like, for me, but like, I guess uh, to close it out, really, if I had a, it's not even a criticism, really. If I had just something that I really like lean towards the other way is um, I think he is too towards he is too negative towards uh, just what he thinks about humans in general almost I don't know how to else explain yeah, it I, like, I, I see what um, you're saying yeah. I guess the way the best way to explain this is in that there's a different interview I read online with uh, Antonioni he did like right after Blow Up and they ask him about what he thinks of Truffaut and Rose oh, and Jim and he said he doesn't like uh, Jules and Jim because uh, and he doesn't like really Truffaut because he feels like his movies are too light. Um, I think I did see this somewhere. Yeah. But to me, they almost tackle similar themes. Like kind of what I've been talking about this whole time is like almost a lot of the same language I use for uh, Jules and Jim talking yeah. about that movie. With I, was, I was going to compare that too, but I but yes, but, but in terms so. of how they do it, it's very different, right? Like, yeah. Uh, no, because whenever you were talking about more. yeah, whenever you were talking about the clashes, I was like, yeah, I could, I, I felt that more in something like Jules and Jim than I did in this. Like yes, I don't. Yeah. I don't get. I don't feel the clash. No, and his like movies modern. are way more character heavy, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, just yeah. There's, I mean, the personalities of the directors you can see them in throughout their movies, right? 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I honestly, I love meandering films. Like, I like I really do. But, like, this one, I don't know. It's just, like, if you have a meandering film, at, at some point, I honestly do think you need to make the character at least halfway likable. Like, to, to at least for me, to get fully bought into the movie. Like, I don't know. Like, because for me, I was just watching it, and I was watching a really great technical movie that I just hated watching. Like, in terms of, like, I hated the characters. I just hated, like, everything that happened on screen with, like, this guy, honestly. Okay, okay. Like, I just, I didn't, I didn't like it. You should try some of his other movies. No, I definitely will. I really do respect uh, this, but. Like, in The Passenger with Jack Jack Nicholson, maybe. Maybe you like, you know, because it's hard to not like Jack Nicholson. It is hard not to like Jack Nicholson. But But taking Antonioni and putting Jack Nicholson in it, you know. Honestly, though, I think there's also a good chance you might not like his other movies, too. Well, his characters are a lot of times pretty shallow, I feel like. Because like he's trying on purpose show yeah. shower characters, which or, I still I still like that. Maybe. I still like yeah. that, but like I feel like if you watch like Lenate, I'm not sure you would really like. Be hey, you never know. You never know. Yeah, but I, I, mean, I love Lenate. Because so. honestly, Blow Up is probably one of his most lover hated, even pre Antonioni. Oh yeah, it's like, like are, he has more in the middle. Like La Ventura is definitely more in the middle than this one yeah. is. And, like his, it's, I think it's like out of all like the uh, Isolation trilogy or Alienation trilogy and like the Pastor, I think it's the lowest rated. Oh really? It's like three point eight. Oh. Yeah, on Letterboxd. Yes, because I, I literally it's most, I literally it's most popular too. Yeah. If you would have told me this huh. movie was about alienation and isolation, I would not have guessed that. Like if you well, would have told me this was a part of a trilogy or like an isolation it's, trilogy, it's not, I literally would not. It's not. It's not a part of the alienation. That's, oh, okay, it's okay. okay. Alienation trilogy. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I was like, gotcha, gotcha. okay. I was like, I was like if, you, if you're telling me this is part of that, I I think you completely missed what he was going for then, because I didn't get it at all. But I mean, what we want to go to Mishima now? Probably. Okay, yeah. let me oh, say okay, this yeah, last yeah. part about loneliness that I <laughs> the mentioned last earlier. Because <laughs> uh, um, it was the one he gave to Roger Ebert, and he said, "Often my characters are isolated. They are individuals looking for social institutions that will support them, for personal relationships that will absorb them. But most often, they find little to sustain them. They are looking for a home." And I, you can kind of see that even in this one. Maybe not as much as like you were saying in that uh, loneliness trilogy, but in this one, right? He's like searching. Yeah. Throughout this movie, for something, and he goes to like, and he sees the people smoking and everything, but, and then he goes to the park and he's searching for something, but he never finds it at the end, really. Always oh, yeah. But he mentioned loneliness, so I, I I wanted to mention the quote again because I kind yeah. of mentioned it earlier. Yeah. So, but that kind of leads us to the next movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, kind Shima, of. even though, yeah. Okay. No, I mean he he definitely was a <laughs> not we'll maybe not like, a How about you just start us off? Um, what I thought about the movie. Yes, what you thought about like the that. movie. No, I, I, so I really do like Yukio Mishima, just the author. And so I had never, I had never watched this movie before we did this podcast. <laughs> I had seen, I had seen Patriotism, the the movie Mishima actually made. I've read a few of his books. I own, I own a lot more of them that I need to get to, but yeah. I really do. I, I respect him, and I, I respect the view that he's trying to put out into the world. At least in the books I've read, kind of like it's not the typical view of like what a normal person would view the world, you know? Like, he has very strict guidelines of how he views the world, and, like, if you don't fit into that guideline, he won't, like, hate you or anything, but he will strongly disagree with you, as we see in this movie, like, towards the end. Like, like everything he does... Everything he does is leaning towards, like, what he wants and, like, his ultimate goal in life. And I really do think Paul Schrader definitely captures that 100% in this movie. Um, I really loved, I really loved all of it. I think that, I think actually the Golden Pavilion is the weakest section in this movie. I think it gets progressively stronger as it goes on. That's fair. Um, but I don't know. I just, I really love the sets. I really love that. I really love, I, I really just like how like 
if he didn't have an all Japanese cast and like a writer, like a Japanese writer with him helping him with all this, like I don't think it will. They will obviously wouldn't have worked as good because it just wouldn't have flowed like a Japanese movie. Because like, because like you watch this and you can tell like it is it it is made by a Japanese like crew. <laughs> like oh, it's yeah. it's definitely like well made in that in that regard, and I really like that. And I just I don't know I just really respect it. I really like it a lot. So yeah. glad because I know you're a Mishima fan before I you even watched yeah. this. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what about you, Luke? Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like this movie. Um, I think uh, specifically my my uh, what I like about it most is I just I just like how he I, I before I watched this I was I knew nothing about Mish, Yuko Mishima, which is an interesting contrast between us. But I n- knew nothing about the man, what he what he did or, or what his views were. But I, I, just, I really enjoyed how basically he just used the uh, short stories, basically connected his the short stories to represent his life, which made him what he was. That's that's what I liked the most about it. And of course, like technically, it's amazing. Like you know, the sets, of course, like and amazing. the score and just everything. I, and I love the ending. And the ending's amazing, which we'll get around to that, I think. But yeah, yeah, that's mainly just what I like about it. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, what I like about it, I just think it's a beautiful. Um, at least I guess Paul Schrader's view of how Mishima it's like Schrader's take on why Mishima ended his life the way he did yeah and like I love how it's framed in terms of all of the movie takes place at least in the the present day in the movie's terms is him going to his final death right and the movie's cut all in between that basically yeah. the car ride there yeah right because you're kind of getting at least um, and I think it's a good way to do that because he's not really trying to say these what all these books are all about, you know, that kind of thing. He's just kind of like, uh, like how would Mishima have thought of these moments in his book leading up to why he's doing this, yeah. you know? Because he's been, you know, been hinting at, he's kind of hinted, been hinting at this his whole life. Yeah, you he know? Has, yeah. And that's kind of what makes you respect him even yeah. if you don't um, agree with him at all yeah. or, you know, if even if you hated him. You kind, at least in my opinion, you kind of have to respect that this man was willing to do, like he wrote a story where the guy says something like, "You have to commit suicide at the head of, you know, at the uh, age of forty, at the yeah. age of forty, at the uh, when you, yeah, at the peak of your at the physical peak of beauty, your beauty yeah. right? Because then you're just a coward if you don't do that." And yep. he did it. You know, like <laughs> it's it's weird. It's uh, it's like it gives you, don't you want chills. To sensationalize it. It gives yes. you chills. Like just that's so like that's what I was talking about with like his strict like principles and guidelines. Like any other person, if you would have watched that ending, any other person, you would think like there's no way that he will actually do this <laughs> but like the way that paul schrader at least films this movie and like it and the way it actually happened in real life like obviously this man if you knew him like he would have, he, he obviously wasn't going back once he got that far like because like there there are a lot of people that like once it comes like once push comes to shove as the saying goes like you won't do it yes, yes. like you won't kill yourself and like but like like you like you were saying like with all his books and like these moments leading up to his to like this one moment in his life like at least in my mind, in the way Paul, in the way Paul Schreier films this, there's no way he's not going to do this. Like obviously, yeah. like he's going to do it. Like even the general knows because he's saying like, "Stop, please stop." Like he, like Joel's like playing, "Please stop, don't do this, please." Like because he knows he's going to. There's no talking about it basically. That's why he shuts up also. And that makes me want to go to. So I don't want to, because I did respect I do respect him a lot, but I want to talk about the opposing side. Yeah. Where. You don't want to over-sensationalize no. him or anything because you can kind of see he kind of loves the limelight at the same time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, he loves being in front of a camera. You can tell he loves the attention, that kind of thing. 
Um, even and I there's a great little moment in the movie at least that made it stand out for me, where um, he says you have to tie up the general because you know you don't want because he might commit a sepulchre and steal our sign. And yeah. then uh, the very next di- uh, dialogue is some of the soldiers saying we want to do it with you we don't want to do it uh, we don't want you to go alone and he's like no you guys have to, you guys can't do it as well oh, basically yeah, and yeah. to me it was like him saying the same thing like he doesn't want them to steal a shine either yeah. you know like it's just his moment kind of thing I don't I think Paul Sherry does a good job not glorifying him though too no exactly that's yeah, what I'm yeah, trying yeah, to say was... yes like with those little moments where it's that balance where you see the respect a lot I mean obviously Japan uh, hugely loved the guy you know yeah. at least certain aspects of his work we'll talk, yeah. we can talk about that later but um they obviously loved him, but at the same time, they didn't love everything about him. And at the same time, like... He, I mean, he definitely had... Like, there are a lot of his views that are terrible. Oh, he was obviously. basically... I mean, uh, he was basically, like, a very extreme right-wing extremist. He is a very... He is, like, ex- he he is a right-wing extremist, He, yes, he salutes yeah. the emperor right before he dies. Yeah. Um, and that was not, like... I could see why that would be dangerous if you were not Japanese, and you had no idea about Japan. You just thought, oh, that's how all Japanese people are, that kind of thing. But, like, um, Paul Schrader in the uh, commentary makes... A great point where he says, uh, basically, like even people in Japan, a lot of people in Japan did not know how to understand Mishima, which makes him so complicated, right? Yeah. Even compared to like other authors, where a country might be like, you kind of have to be from the country to understand what he's talking about or something. Which this it's, it's obviously true for Mishima, but maybe not as much, you know? Because uh, yeah. even in Japan, like he's kind of going against a lot of Jap- Japanese traditional values. Yeah. Or something. Well, I mean, he's. He well, it actually is weird because he because he is going against a lot of those values of like his homosexuality and stuff like that. But, but like he is yes. literally like he. Whenever you think of the Bushido spirit, like he is like the modern like a modern Japanese man having that spirit, like he is what you would think of probably. And that's like, like maybe that's be like even. But even if he was just trying to like steal the limelight, like most people wouldn't themselves no like that. i mean that's the thing he's trying like, to steal the limelight but he's not like a celebrity trying to yeah do it. no he's but not, you know behind yeah. closed doors they're, they're not the real person like yeah he's trying to do it but he is the real person you know he's yeah. the real person he's also doors. the real person he's also an doors. author that's working out like three hours a day and everything yeah you know? like, <laughs> it's ridiculous too. yeah uh i love that little quote that uh, one of the lines he has where he says something like um someone that's born with this kind of help doesn't know what it takes to do this or something yeah like, yeah <laughs> based on how he was as a child and everything yeah uh he always had that like I um I really love the scene in the Kyoko the Kyoko house scene where they're talking about the body like with the where they quote uh, where they're talking about Michelangelo and Rodin yeah the, um the sculpt uh, what do you call them uh, sculptors sculptor yeah sculptors the sculptors yeah, yeah. um not sculptors the, the sculptors <laughs> um how he said they the reason why I liked them was they just they saw the human body as art. Right? Yeah. It wasn't uh, the, they're trying to make art out of the human body. They just tried to represent the human body because they saw it as art itself. And uh, that's one of the major themes, at least I get through the, uh, this movie, is Mishima was trying so hard to make art and his life the exact same thing. Yeah. Right? Like, there's no difference. So he was trying to merge a line between what a, someone in his character was versus what he would do in real life to where by the end, I mean, think about how the movie ends, right? It just ends like another one of his stories. Yep. Yeah. And that's it's a great ending where right when he commits the act of stabbing it cuts to the endings of all three movies oh, that he yeah. hasn't shown that he's been saving so good with the great score and everything but uh i just i just i love that idea. i've always loved that idea just like because to some degree especially you know you hear that phrase a lot that you have to separate the art from the artist right like yeah uh but to me i've never really agreed with that all the way 
and a movie like this made me think about that a lot is like Mishima was the exact opposite of that it's like you cannot separate the art and the artist the same thing like especially like, if you're trying to make great art yes yeah. do you yes. guys do you guys think you could do this type of movie with any other author because like like could you could you pull that off do you guys think or do you See, think it's like, like, I don't want to answer that because I am not a, like a huge lit- literary yeah, nerd, and I, I don't know. Uh, like, could, could, could you do a Dr. Seuss one of this? You know, <laughs> you do wow. Seuss? I mean, maybe not with the themes, but maybe with the stories or something. Yeah, like, that's what I was saying. Like, interesting to think about. I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you Dr. probably Seuss. could. I mean, like Kubrick said, you can film anything as long as you can think it up. <laughs> you can film yeah. anything as long as you can think of it. Oh, yeah. uh, do you guys want to talk about like, the individual stories though, or like? Or like, do you guys have a favorite? What what like what? Ooh, I sh- I, I, I don't know. We should talk about the sets though, honestly. Oh my god, should, um, bro! I mean, sorry, go go the villain. Let me let me find her name. Oh yeah, we need uh, a shout her. Production designer because, um, but what do you guys like about? Uh, she was in her bed. Uh, really I good. mean, like start out with like the Temple of the Golden Villain. Like, come on now, like, it's just beautiful. It's <laughs> impressively shot and framed, and like how he how he messes with your perception to make it look bigger. Oh yeah, like it really is good that way. I, I, I love the like the the walkways they walked on. Like, yeah, I like. Yeah, this is one of the, what like it's not even a problem with the movie, obviously, but it's just like at, cer- at a certain point, whenever I was watching these these stories, and he'd cut back to like the Mishima story, I'd be like, damn, <laughs> I was like, the same way, man. I was the same God, way. Like, just keep on going with this. I just want to watch Golden Pavilion. It's a like, eye candy, basically. Yeah, but on, but in some ways, that's what makes the set the set stand out even more. The, yeah, yeah. The fact that his stories are the, uh, for lack of better phrasing, the most beautiful or the best looking of the oh, whole yeah. movie, right? Are the stories. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, the merging of art, his merging of art and life. Yeah. To him, uh, and actually, Schrader says this in the commentary, it was something I really liked uh, at the very beginning. He says something about, uh, one of the hardest things about displaying a writer's inner life, or a, what uh, making a writer's life exciting, is that a writer spends a lot of his time just sitting in a room writing, right? Mm-hmm. And the most exciting things that they want to happen in their life, they're putting in their characters. Okay. So that's what makes it so tough, right? But yeah. this movie does that in a great way. Oh, where he yeah. makes the most exciting parts of the movies, uh, of the movie, at least visually, and kind of thematically, uh, yeah. like you know, Blake was saying, in the stories itself, right? Oh yeah. Those yeah. are where the best. Those were the best parts of Mishima's life really come. You really see him, right? Yeah. I think a better question would be like, which one do you think was the best visually? <laughs> I think Hiyoko's house is honestly That's the what best I was visually, say, but but that just might be because the pink is so like. It's so time. good. But yeah, I don't uh, even know honestly. <laughs> so her but, name was because uh, I want to kind of shout her out. Aiko Ishii. Ishioko. Yeah, shout, shout out. Aiko Ishioko. Shout out her. She was in her bag. And what's crazy was she had not done a, a she had not production designed a movie before this. For real. She was like apparently a famous uh, like a retail designer uh, in Japan or something. I forget. Damn. She worked for a big retail outlet in Japan doing like designs for them and stuff. Damn. And they found her for this movie and just she just went Bruh. crazy. It's crazy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's honestly insane. No, because. I, I I love all of them honestly like, I, like oh yes they're uh, all the prison uh, or uh, yeah the prison what's it called with with the blue sky and they're at some t- I don't know what the temple is called but they're at with all the run the runaway horses one where they're about where he's oh saved. the one oh I know what you're talking about when they're they, the line basically we talked about this before the podcast yeah 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 um I forget what that building is called but it's some kind of temple or something yeah and all the the runaway horses are lined up yes. in a V formation yes and they're praying the yes. whole, I, yeah they're yes. praying at the temple and then at the very end when they decide to the do sunset. it the light turn, like, slowly yeah. turns red oh to my sunset. god yeah, yeah that's so yeah. good dude oh, man. no see that's my favorite that's my favorite shot that's my favorite part there's some like, great set part, set part in the movie but it's yeah. that that part's my favorite and also when he's uh they're showing the black and white version of Mishima when he's flying the uh, plane at the very end yeah and 
uh, it shows his face yeah. black and white, but then it shows the sky yeah, and it turns color. to color yeah. Yeah. at the very yeah. end. And it's oh, it's but so good. Honestly, yeah. Honestly, though, like the one you're talking about, the the, the shot of the temple uh, was one of my favorites. But also another one of my favorites was basically the when he just when he, uh, the first shot of the golden pavilion. I don't know why. It just it's just oh, like yeah. it's just like magic to me, honestly. Like, oh, the first time he shows it because yeah. he hands up to it. Oh yeah, it's just yeah, it's just magic, you know. Like, or what about when it opens too? Oh, that too. Remember yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. opens. See the golden the golden pavilion. One of the more impressive ones wasn't even like like that like 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 it wasn't even that visually impressive. It was just like whenever he was right behind, like he was like probably just set the camera up like literally right in front of the golden pavilion and had them like walking in the distance like looking or like walking out like like it had them like looking like like they were walking out of the golden pavilion because that golden pavilion is small. Oh, right, <laughs> it's like right, right, but yeah. it, he it, does it to make it like it looks it looks yeah. really like it looks oh. really really impressive. Yeah. Also, it's crazy that Chishu reused like the monk in that like. Do you I, see him in it? I think he's the monk. Yeah, he's pretty sure he's the monk. I'm pretty sure he was the monk. Okay. Because I remember seeing the monk. I was like, that guy sounds familiar. And I looked at it. It's like Shishiryu. Uh, like, in oh, the yeah. commentary, Schrader says that uh, Shishiryu was in the movie, but he cut him out. Wait, really? I thought he was scene. the monk. I thought he was. The and monk. it was a. Uh, I don't know why I thought he was the monk. Wait. He sure? Let me see. You can check in the cast because that's what he says in the commentary. But also in the commentary, he mentions how he changed the look of the sky. When uh, you know, when the runaway horse is running after he kills that general person, he's running to the beach to commit yeah. seppuku. Um, Schrader actually changed the color of the sky for the for the the Criterion cut, and because it's funny, he mentioned the Criterion while he's doing the commentary. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna change this." Um, so now they have to do it because I'm saying it on the, cra- so on the commentary. So <laughs> <laughs> they have to hold to their word. Like they're gonna let me do this. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. No, but I honestly don't have a favorite one of these stories, like because like it literally is just all leading up to this one, to that one moment. Because like yes. all that gets, it does yes. it in book release. It's order, not about obviously. the stories themselves, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's about not how those stories even led to this. Moment. Yeah, and I really like, I really like the way that Paul Schrader, because I, I do think that he actually got at least in, like, and I, I kind of, I don't know for sure if he got this with like Kyoko's house and um, Runaway Horse, because I haven't actually read those. But at least with the Temple of the Golden Pavilion, he did get the gist of it you know like the gist of like what he was talking about like of how like true beauty holds this way over you and to into like to get out of that you have to kill true beauty and stuff like that and that's like that was the first part and then like art is the next one kyoko's house and how destroying the body is like the only way like that you can feel alive basically and then it goes to runaway horses where he's talking about like a man has to die at the age of action. 40 and true beauty yeah. Yeah, action where a man has to like commit spoken and and at, at the at the peak of of this physical beauty, and then at least to the last part where he just actually doesn't. Yeah. Well, I just looked up. He is in the movie. Yeah. He is. That, that is him. Oh, that is okay. So maybe yeah. he added that because he said yeah. it added in the Criterion. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah. I, I knew I knew I recognized his voice because okay. I, I was like I I've watched enough Ozzy movies. I know I know I've that voice. Enough Ozzy movies. Plus, that must have been one of his last movies too. Like probably yeah. Uh, at least one of his later ones. Um, but like I I like what you were saying. Um, how each of those chapters, literally the titles, I think, beauty, art, and uh, action. action. Yeah. How they and lead then, up to that and then moment. Pen and um, sword, or, so, or harmony of the pen and sword, or something like yes. that. Yes. And how, because there's a quote um, when he's uh, when I mentioned earlier about him flying in that jet, Mishima, when he actually, because yeah, I guess he actually did. Uh, the Japanese military let him fly the jets and stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Um, I'll, I'll quote what he says there, which I think is a a great uh, kind of summary of the movie and what it's leading to. Never in, phys- never in physical action had I discovered the chilling satisfaction of words. 
Never in words had I experienced the hot darkness of action. Somewhere there must be a higher principle which reconciles art and action. That principle, it occurred to me, was death. And, I mean, that's what the whole movie is, right? Yep. It came kind of... Because, uh, especially with the first story, Temple of a Golden Pavilion, uh, it, at least in my opinion, it's kind of about him having that feeling of being a coward, about he'll never be able to do it, right? Yeah. And you see that in his real life when he lies about being sick just because... Uh, because he doesn't want to go to war, even though he wants to die a honorable death, he still doesn't want to go to war. Yeah. It's, at least at that age, it's showing him he was still scared to do this kind of thing, you know? Like, would he ever have the courage to live up to his words? What, is, yeah. what he says with his words. Um, what about you, Luke? Like, any any other thoughts? Like, uh, I mean, we kind of talk, we've talked uh, about it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it's kind of hard to, like, talk about it too much for myself, because I'm, I'm not really familiar that well with Mishima, but... Me either. I've only read one book. I've yeah. only read the Temple of the Golden Pavilion. I know Blake's read a few, right? Yeah, I've read a couple more. Um, but they weren't. They weren't. They weren't either of the ones in this movie. So. I mean, honestly, the book I want to read the most after watching this is a lot of the narration for the movie is from uh, like a, his kind of autobiograph- autobiographical book he made called he wrote called Sun and Steel, and that's where a lot of the narration comes from. Interesting. Uh, that book, Sun and Steel, and it was one of the last books he wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's one of those movies that it'll probably get a lot deep, especially if you if you make a good movie about a writer, it'll probably make you oh, want to read yeah. a lot of their works, you know. <laughs> uh, any last thoughts? I can, we're kind of we're kind of running to the end. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I like how I like how he actually just showed the Spoku scene and like it, uh, and like the movie ending, and then like he didn't actually show him like cutting himself open in the actual oh, yes, ending and yes. just show his face. Well, actually, that's I wanted to mention this because um, that's actually interesting. The reason why they didn't show that was because apparently in real life the killing went uh the, the suicide went really poorly oh like, i'm sure it took uh the guy that was cutting his head off a few tries and you can see that in the movie in the in the because like you can see I, like i actually felt so bad watching this because like i like like because you know like this is actually how he dies obviously and like you can see mishima you know he's going to do this right like he's going to do it right he's going to do his part right and then like you can see because he's cutting to everyone's face it's paul schrader and the guy that's holding the sword, every time he cuts to him, you just see he's his shaking. face get even yeah. more sweaty and even more yeah. scared. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is getting so poorly. Plus, this, this um, is getting so poorly. But even, you said Mishima handled, you know, he was going to do it right. He kind of, apparently he kind of did it right, but he also, like, uh, he passed out. Oh, I'm sure. Like, but, it'd be uh, hard to fucking oh, do yeah, that, dude. Yeah. Like, but he ha- but the, the reason why I was not sad, I guess it's just the fact that, uh, that he passed out was um, he had this plan where he wanted to uh, take the put the sword in, take it out, and then take uh, like a, a, a some tip to maybe even his finger or something. But he wanted to write like a line of poetry, literally yeah. like he had in one of his books, like uh, you know the what was it something about purity is a I gotta find that I'll find the quote exactly, but something with uh, poetry is with a spe- uh, with a splash of blood or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to do that in his last death, but it didn't go according to plan. Damn. Um, so he was trying to even go further, but... <laughs> dude, I mean, whenever you're at that point, dude, you just gotta do it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't stop. <laughs> like, I mean, you're literally just cutting your intestines out. Like, oh my god. <laughs> no, and I mean, I, I made you guys watch Patriotism, too, because, like, you hadn't seen it before. And I didn't know that Paul Schrader basically, like, talked about patriotism in this movie. Like, because it showed him, it showed him making, making patriotism and showed him, like... Yes. Like testing, cause like yes. I like I like the shot of him testing the testing the test sword 
on himself oh, because yeah. like I feel like most people wouldn't even test it on yourself. They just like do it on the ground just to make sure it's real, just just in case. <laughs> but he was literally just doing it I like this, shot, like yeah. just like it 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 just it was a it was a great foreshadowing yeah. moment. But okay, and I remember the I found the quote. Um, it's when he's talking to one of the general guys in runaway horses who's trying to get him not to do it. And the guy tells him, total purity is not possible in this world. And he says, yes, it is. If you turn your life into a line of poetry written with a splash of blood. <laughs> That's what he was trying to do at the end. But... <laughs> yeah, it kinda, it kinda, it is a good, it's a fitting ending because um, he was always trying to make his life like his art. And his yeah. art like his life, right? He's trying to make them not as uh, rigid lines between the two. At least in my opinion, yeah. especially from this movie, that's that's the kind of conclusion I get. Yeah. And did you want to talk about how they didn't want this release, or how it wasn't even released in Japan? Oh, wasn't? Oh yes, yeah, so we should talk about that I guess before we end. Because um, we were talking about how he's a controversial well, figure, figure yes. even in Japan. At least when the commentary came out. Sure. Um, so I don't know. If, I mean, because the commentary came out in two thousand six, and this movie came out in eighty five. Eighty three. Eighty three. I think it's eighty five. It's eighty five. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, eighty five. So, in 2006, it still had not come out in Japan. Oh, really? Yes. Because, and the reason for that is Machino's wife was uh, against the movie for a few reasons, but one of the main reasons was showing this kind of the sexual aspect, the sexuality aspect of his life. Uh, um, yeah. You know, because he, uh, he was homosexual as well, or I guess bi. But, yeah. Um, and, you know, in traditional Japan, that was definitely not seen as a positive thing. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, his wife was the major reason why it hasn't shown, but... You know, there's also a lot of there was also a lot of Japan on this at the time on her side, which is also why it hasn't shown. Yeah. You know, because like it wasn't just her by itself. There was a lot of people that still liked Mishima a lot, but they didn't want them to show that side of him. Yeah, that kind of thing. is it still not out in Japan? That's what I don't know. I don't know if it's still released. Uh, or not. I mean, I mean, people probably watched it in Japan, but oh, they definitely watched it. Uh, <laughs> that it is, it is interesting because it's kind of it kind of takes us to the point of what this podcast episode is about. You know, like except for. What's it like to make a movie in a different country in a different language, but you can't show it in that country? <laughs> yeah, like, that's just crazy, honestly. Yeah. And it, the movie was half funded by Warner's studio and then half funded by a Japanese studio. Uh-huh. And uh, Paul Schrader t- tells a funny story where, uh, I guess, Toho Studio was the other half, and they were at the camp premiere, and, uh, like, some Toho executives were there, and Schrader's like, thank you for uh, helping me make this movie. And they're like, we had nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we had nothing to do with this yeah, movie. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Like, especially in 85, like, a lot of people were kind of, uh, in Japan, uh, did not support what Schrader was doing, you know, that, that they were kind of, he was just desecrating the machine and that kind of thing. Damn. That's yeah. crazy. It was opposed by, it still hasn't been released, it was opposed wow. by his wife and by far, far right-wing groups opposed to his portrayal as a homosexual, yeah. and that's the only reason But see, why that's what makes Machine more complicated than just, he was just a right-wing guy. It is, no. Right, because a lot of right-wing people yeah. did not support everything he was, right? So. Yeah, that's why it's like, it's just a really, like, he's a very interesting man, and like, yes. that's why, that's why I like him so much, even though yes. I don't, I definitely don't agree with his politics. <laughs> like, he's, like, his, he is, like, I don't even want to say, like, pro-Japan's like bad because like i mean like it's japan like it's their country but like like if there was if there like like if, if there was someone there that wasn't japanese he probably didn't want them there you know like yeah, that's yeah. literally how how pro, how like how like a pro-japanese he was he was literally wanting to go back to like the tokugawa like but at the same time he also so, respected western art yes he did classical western art yeah. that kind of thing so that's what makes it complicated most, again, that's you know? a, he's a very complicated figure yes. and <laughs> and i don't know i just really like him honestly interesting guy so I mean I think I think that's a great place to end it. Um, yeah. It sounds like we like the second one way more. I mean, I like. Honestly, I think I like, I I like blow up more. Honestly. Oh okay, so yeah. we got some. Mis- I like Mishima more. 
I still love Machine. I still love Machine. Was one of my, and we didn't even talk about the score that much. Dude, the score. Um, it doesn't really need to be said about. It's, it's just good. I all-time mean, score. And you're going to hear it twice, I guess, If you have Phil Glass yeah. making a score for your movie, it's going to be a banger. All right. Yes. It's just, it's just... But even... I mean, this one's an all-timer, I feel like. Oh, yeah. It is, yeah. There's all the different themes, variations on the main theme, too. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end it. I guess we can kind of talk about what we're going to start our next series on. Uh, which is, I guess, my topic. We're doing Chaplin. And honestly, I still haven't decided what we're going to do exactly next week. So we'll just say shorts for sure. We'll talk about his shorts. All right, sweet. And probably one of his, a couple of his early ones, maybe one at least. Yeah. Maybe one of his early ones in his shorts. Yeah, probably. It'll be fun. Uh, Do you guys have any thoughts on Thap Chaplin real quick? Real quick, love the guy. Real quick, great director, great. Like, have you seen a lot of any Chaplin? I've seen like three. I've seen yeah, Modern Times. Okay, so this is. I wasn't sure how much Chaplin. I've seen Modern Times, Gold Rush, and like one other, I think. Yeah, okay. I, I love Chaplin though. Like from what I've seen, like he's amazing. All right, so next week we'll start Chaplin. Um, but until then, what did you say last time, Blake? Oh fuck. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> catching floating in the clouds. There we go.